This is the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with world building warrior Angeline Trevina and planning and productivity powerhouse Holly Line. Every week we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business, and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey, and encourage you to be unstoppable. Welcome to episode 102 of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. Today we're talking about big changes for publishing and marketing and how to deal with them. Yes, and I've just realised how um, convenient that is given what we're going to um, tease yes. at the end of the episode. <laughs> There's a pre-teaser, excellent. <laughs> so um, let's do our personal updates then. So um I've been doing some research and world building for my current project, not so much writing recently, but I'm having so much fun exploring the possibilities. I've also been having some coaching, which has been really helpful. And this week we have a meeting um, by the time this airs, it will have taken place with our building project manager to discuss the specs for this extension that we're having built. And it's really exciting and really nerve wracking. <laughs> it feels really real now. Um, we have a date for the work starting and I'm trying to set realistic expectations of what I'll be able to do while living in temporary accommodation. I'm really not looking forward to having to go back to using my crappy laptop with a dodgy spacebar that doesn't work and that does everything at a glacial pace. Uh, but I am enjoying making all the plans the extension all the bullet journal spreads and <laughs> trust you <laughs> oh that's classic holly isn't it, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's made my day <laughs> thanks um yeah so every week for the past forever weeks my update hasn't really been much of an update just a miserable admission that i was still Still, still writing Stedyard, but not this week. It has gone. It is done. And it's finally in my editor's hands. Hooray! Oh, do you know, that was so, so needed. It's honestly, it's probably like this total mess. I did not go through it enough before I just <laughs> sent it off to him because I got to a point where like, if I looked at that manuscript one for just one more minute, I would would have actually gone insane so it's just like here you have it <laughs> um I've also just finished writing my first book for my pen name so yeah there's been loads of finishing happening finally which is cool so what next I have so so many projects to start on right now lots of things that I'm not ready to talk about just yet but really exciting new ventures that I am really really looking forward to so it's going to be a great autumn hopefully um now I know that I said I was going to rest come the autumn <laughs> we all know what I'm like um but I will be taking it easier I promise um because I'm going to be doing stuff that 
I'm really enjoying and there won't be any imposed deadlines at least not to start with anyway (laughs) they'll come later (laughs) and that's the you know that's the thing that's been causing you stress isn't it so you might be just as you know I don't want to use the word you know what I mean um (laughs) yeah you may have as much on but it's not on that you know yeah, yeah. I, t- I tell you, I will never, ever, ever again put a pre-order up on Amazon for a book that I haven't even started writing. <laughs> no, bless them. Never. <laughs> <laughs> you have Try absolute, yes, you have absolute permission to beat me up if I ever <laughs> even think about doing that again, yeah. oh my word. <laughs> I, I might try it once and see how I respond, see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I won't tell anyone about it, so no one will actually pre-order the book. So then, oh. it doesn't matter if I have to change it. Do you know? I honestly don't know if I've got any pre-orders on it or not. <laughs> I, I have not got a clue. I haven't looked. Mm. <sighs> right then. So, um, our question of the week last week, I asked you. How do you celebrate finishing or launching a book? And we had some really great responses um, on Instagram and in our Facebook group. Um, Including one from me. Yes, you answered the question. Unsurprisingly, I I said that I celebrate with cake, which I did. I did celebrate (laughs) with with cake. Yay. (laughs) Um, Well, you are not alone. Uh, TL Clark says, I'm all about food rewards and maybe Mm -hmm. bubbly too. Uh, Melinda says a little treat and then on to the next Uh, Trish Heinrich says I tell my friends and family often my kids and husband will toast me at dinner I keep it simple but definitely making a note of the accomplishment I like Mm, that I do yeah let's see Uh, we had yeah treats Starbucks banana splits nice um, more cake Um, good taking a cake um (laughs) so yeah um lots of food and it was much the same on the facebook group so um we highly approve of all of the cake we Um, do carry on caking yeah carry on caking (laughs) (laughs) yes so our question of the week for this week, what we want to know is what has changed in the publishing industry since you published your first book, which obviously for some of you will be a heck of a lot because you will have published your first book some time ago. But for the people who have only just done it, not so much. Mm. Yeah. So uh, we have no new patrons this week, but a huge thank you to all of our current patrons. Your support means the world to us. Patrons get early access to episodes, exclusive behind the scenes access to our off-air banter, as well as the warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting the podcast. We have new merch coming soon and patrons will be the first to get to see that. They are also the first to hear all of our news uh, so if you'd like to support the show you can do so for just three pounds a month at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors you can also follow us for free and see our public updates there and patreon automatically emails all posts to all followers so you will never miss a thing 
And it would be really great if you could take a moment to share this episode on social media, grab a screenshot, share it directly from your podcast platform, or even take a selfie with it. Just remember to tag us so that we can share it too. It means so much to hear from our listeners and to know that you enjoy the show. So on to our main topic. There are always new things happening in the indie publishing sphere and connected industries. There are periods of relative stability followed by seasons of big disruption. We don't just mean algorithm changes or the also bots disappearing from Amazon (laughs) sales pages. Those are minor in the grand scheme of things. So every once in a while, something bigger comes along and it is absolutely up to us to adapt We want to help you to have strategies in place that will get you through these upheavals and carry on writing and publishing books. So there are two big changes coming in quick succession this year. The first one you've probably heard about already, as it's all over the groups and the gram, and that's Kindle Vela. The other is a bit more hot off the press, and that's Apple's update that is going to change how email open rates are recorded. So let's deal with these two examples in a bit more detail first before moving on to general coping strategies. So Kindle Vela is Amazon's new platform for serialized fiction. It's their way of trying to compete with Radish, I think. I suspect it's going to be good for romance authors and readers, but possibly not other genres. Uh, but we really don't know yet. It's it's so new. Um, it's only available in the US initially uh, for both authors and readers as that's the testing ground for all of Amazon's big changes. So over here in the UK, we can just watch and see how it develops. Indeed. So it's going to be a mobile-based subscription service, just like Kindle Unlimited, with authors receiving a 50% royalty rate from the tokens that readers purchase and spend, a bit like Audible credits. The first three episodes of each story will be free, Readers will be able to follow stories and get updates delivered straight to their devices. The pricing is quite complicated, but we will put this link in the show notes. And it's a really good breakdown of the details on Kindlepreneur. So kindlepreneur.com forward slash Kindle dash Vela. But we will put that link in our show notes. Yes. Um, and let's just put it this way, when it comes to pricing, authors won't get paid very much, uh, certainly not by the word, you know. Um, Amazon has also already changed the payment tiers once mm-hmm. since announcing it in April, at least once, actually. They might have changed it again since I last heard anything. And they have stated that um, how much authors make per token will be subject to change. So they are, they're saying right from the off, we're probably going to tinker with this. Um, So I think high volume is what will make it worthwhile for authors. So if you can produce an episode every week and and length of episodes is supposed to be between 800 and 5,000 words, um, then it might be possible to build a large audience and make a lot of money. But for those of us who write a little slower or have lifestyles that inhibit this kind of consistency, and I think consistency is the Mm. main thing, and Vela probably won't be worth it. If you're curious and have access, then by all means, give it a whirl. I do know people who are getting in right at the beginning and are very excited about it. So that may be you. Um, New things always have teething problems. Just be aware of that. 
um, but they get ironed out by the early adopters who tidy it out for the rest of us. So, um, yes, thank you if you're going to be one of those. Uh, we appreciate your sacrifice. Um, <laughs> personally, I'm watching with interest to see if it takes off and what kinds of stories do well. It's not completely off the cards for me, but right now I'm glad it's not an option for Brits as I wouldn't be able to get into it right now and I could I don't need the like headache to decide whether to do it or not. I, it's out of my hands. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I am not that interested. Years and years ago, I did have a go at Wattpad, but I got absolutely nowhere with it. I quickly realized that you have to spend a lot more time on there reading and commenting on other stories, basically getting your name like known in the community to get readers to come back and read your stuff. And I also started writing some serial stuff on Google Plus. Who remembers that social <laughs> network? And yeah, it just fizzled out. I lost interest in it. The payment structure for Vela seems to be kind of similar in ethos, at least, to KU. I'm not in KU. I've tried it a few times, but never got much traction there. So like KU and like you said, Holly, I think think it's probably going to be quite genre specific as to what does well there and I just don't write the right genres for those kind of things my genre mashup impossible to market books are just not the right for those sorts of markets that rely on mass consumption I mean I never say never to anything because you never know what's going to happen but I'd honestly just rather write and publish a full book because if you do decide to publish the full version of your story then you actually have to remove it from Vela first so no I don't think it really interests me that much but yeah I'll, I'll never say never you said never like eight times in the yeah last and uh, claiming that I never say it <laughs> <laughs> so Next up is Apple. So one of the metrics that many mailing list owners use to judge the quality and effectiveness of our lists is the open rate. That is how many of the subscribers who receive an email actually open it. Now, the first thing to stress on this subject is that open rate reporting has always been unreliable. So anyone reading in software like Outlook, which has a preview pane, will not register as an open in most mailing list service providers. A lot of email programs automatically block the images and no open is recorded unless those images are downloaded. And there are certainly other factors too. Yes. Now I know from surveying and testing my list that there can be people dedicated to my emails who read every single one who do not show up as a so-called good reader in my dashboard. That was true when I used MailChimp and it's true in MailerLite too. I know this because I have in the past sent emails out to folks who are recorded as never opening a single email to ask them if they'd like to remain on my list or not. And I would get a flurry of desperate replies asking not to be removed as they read every email. Ever since then, I have stopped culling my list. That is unsubscribing people automatically. I try not to get too hung up on what my recorded open rate is because I know that it's not accurate, but mm. I, you know, I try not to. I would be <laughs> lying if I didn't, if I said I'd never worried about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those metrics are right up there front and center for mm. us. When you go into MailerLite, it is the first thing you see. Yeah. 
Um, for anyone who knows me in any capacity, they're not going to be surprised that I take a pretty laid back approach to my mailing list. What a shocker. <laughs> so a couple of times, like like you, Holly, I have emailed the non-engaged subscribers and had a spattering of people confirming that they wanted to stay subscribed. The second time I actually got this very long email from someone laying out how frustrated she is because her email was totally glitching out. Apparently she received two copies of every email. That's not just my mine that I'd sent to her, but every email she received from anyone came in twice and no opens ever got recorded. So she was constantly receiving these emails asking if she still wanted to be subscribed. And honestly, I felt so bad that I never did that again. So yeah, I've got really lazy and I've just, I just wheedle out the non-engagers with MailerLite's automatic tool, which yeah, I know is bad and does lose me some genuine subscribers but frankly my mailing list isn't the best anyway so I don't really put much effort into the actual housekeeping of it it's not the great marketing tool I had hoped it would be because it is it is a bit full of freebie seekers which is a really common problem with mailing lists I am feeling a bit jaded by it to be honest at the moment, but I still absolutely stick firm to the fact that it is completely essential to keep a mailing list. I just wish it was better. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a lot of time and effort to cultivate mm -hmm. a really good list. So it's how, yeah, it's breaking the inertia, isn't it? To actually yeah. put in that effort. So what's changing? what does this have to do with Apple? Well, Apple is going to start automatically registering every email received as having been opened. This means that on your dashboard in your mailing list service provider, you will see an inflation of open rates. Some people are panicking about this and saying it will make it harder to effectively use email to reach readers. Apple may not account for that many of your subscribers, however, um, but Google has confirmed that they are looking at a similar change as well, and that will have a big impact. And also anyone using an Apple phone, if they use the mail app, it doesn't mm. matter whether they use Gmail or what, it will still get um, the treatment from the Apple update. Yes. And I, I mean, I know from my stats that the vast majority of my subscribers use gmail so yes if google do follow suit on this mm. and let's face it if apple and google did go down this route it's probably going to be that all the others will follow um yeah so it's gonna have a huge impact so yeah very much it's our open rate is sort of sold to us as the ultimate metric and always has been mm. you know like i say when you go into MailerLite, it is front and center. It's the first thing you see on your dashboard, the open rate of your last sent newsletter. So what are the cons of having inaccurate open rates? Of course, like we said earlier, they are kind of inaccurate as they stand at the moment. Mm. They're just going to be more inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> so Obviously, one big thing is you're going to have um, dead weight on your list. So you're going to have people who actually aren't opening or reading your emails showing as opens 
And of course, most of the mailing list providers, the service charge is based on list size. So you are going to be end up paying for subscribers who actually are not engaging at all. Mm-hmm. And like I said about, I, I don't call my list anymore. I just accept that I'm going to have dead weight on my list mm. and and I don't do anything about it anymore. But an awful lot of people do like to try and prune their list yeah. and get rid of those unengaged people so that they don't have to pay for them. And if that's how you've been managing your list or how you intend to manage your list going forward, that is going to become almost impossible to do. And you could end up cutting people who you really shouldn't and not cutting people who you should. And there will be basically no way to to measure that aside from doing what we've said we've done in the past and actually emailing people and saying do mm. you want to be on my list um <laughs> that will you if you want to use a culling strategy you won't be able to do it automatically you'll have to have some sort of system to- yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a massive re-engagement campaign mm-hmm. that's gonna be your big tool if you want to Clean up your list. Yeah, re-engagement campaigns are Mm going to become way more important, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, what are the other cons then? Um, Having less info, less data to share with potential partners. So, for example, um, newsletter swaps. Um, Some services, things like Story Origin, Mm -hmm. um, the integration makes your open rate available to other users. So when you you go to set up a newsletter swap, it will tell you how many people are on their list and how many people open and how many people click. Well, that open metric will be useless. You you know, it might look like they have a really engaged list and they really don't. Um, so that could be a disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be harder to tell if your emails are actually getting delivered to the inboxes that you want them to go to rather than ending up in the spam boxes or under the promo tabs Mm -hmm. because traditionally the open rate has been a clue obviously it's Mm -hmm. not it's effective work you can't really know but if you see a sudden drop you one of the causes could be that it Mm. went to spam in a lot of people's cases um also if you use facebook advertising uh custom audiences based on your list this may become less accurate more difficult more expensive um i that doesn't apply to me so i'm not concerned about it but i'm sure there will be people who are very worried about that yes it does apply to a lot of people not not me also um but yeah Yeah. (laughs) but it's not all doom and gloom is it no and we wouldn't ever let it just lie at that point because we're all about solutions. Yeah. Let's <laughs> and talk about on the some, bright side. Yeah. Let's talk about some potential ways to handle this. So we've just mentioned re-engagement campaigns, mm-hmm. um, especially over this summer because the update is coming. I think it's end of August, um, and obviously it won't be taken up straight away. There is usually a delay with Apple users updating to the latest ios um but it will be something that changes gradually over the autumn so you have a little bit of time now to potentially like um get on top of this so um so some people are declaring that email marketing is dead and giving up uh we don't recommend (laughs) this approach (laughs) no don't give up (laughs) no 
<laughs> yeah, you just you're just gonna have to accept that open rate tracking is you know it's never been accurate it's just gonna get less accurate so you know how much is actually going to change because it was never accurate to begin with anyway and i think we'll see mailing list providers downgrading the importance of that metric Mm. and it will probably disappear off our dashboards and maybe get hidden somewhere else Mm. so yeah yeah i think it's been suggested that the providers will start trying to estimate open rates Mm. based on past patterns behavior um but again how accurate is that going to be yeah because if you suddenly like if you do a big promo to get loads of uh, new subscribers or like a giveaway or anything like that a sudden influx into your mailing list is going to totally skew any Mm. estimations so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so um there are a few things you should be doing um make sure you give subscribers an option to unsubscribe in every email this is a legal requirement anyway so you should already be be doing it and just trust subscribers to opt out if they aren't interested so rather than having a culling strategy just leave it in subscribers hands and Mm. um it make it part of your you know welcome sequence have a big you know unsubscribe if you just came for the free book it's fine no hard feelings off you go give them that easy out and then you don't have to worry about dead weight yep i do <laughs> that's my first email thank you for downloading my book honestly no hard feelings if you don't want to stay <laughs> there's yeah. the unsubscribe button because yeah it comes back to you don't want to be paying for people who aren't interested at all mm-hmm. um some people get really hung up on unsubscribe rates but I see that again I see it as a positive thing I'm like brilliant that's another subscriber I'm not having to pay for who doesn't want to be here yeah that's fine so another thing that you can spend like like we say you've got a few months (laughs) to prepare for this so something that you could spend that time doing is looking at your welcome sequence and just really smashing it so ensure that you include whitelisting instructions for new subscribers, getting them to add your email to their contacts so that you're less likely to end up in their spam box. Make those first emails super engaging and ask direct questions, ask people to respond and hit reply because encouraging people to reply to your first emails actually you know, it really helps with the visibility of those emails. So ask direct questions, get them to hit reply. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just make those that welcome sequence as interesting as you possibly can. Don't make it dry and boring. Get people engaged, get people wanting to stay on your mailing list. Mm -hmm. And aim to rely more on the click metric. Mm -hmm. So put really engaging click opportunities into your newsletters and base engagement on that instead. And I have long felt that the click rate is by far the more pertinent point because, you know, even the reliability of open rates aside, it's not that much use to me. And I mean, not that I'm just using my readers, but I hope you understand how I mean this. 
you know, it's more use to me to have subscribers who click a buy button and go mm-hmm. buy my book or a, a book that I'm sharing. Um, you know, in the newsletter swap, it's the clicks. In the promos, it's the clicks. Those are the things that matter. And you've had you can have. 20,000 people on your list with a 90% open rate but if your click rate is 2% what's the point what's yep. the point absolutely so really think about where you can increase opportunities because it's not just about putting a buy button no. in every email we all know that you don't want to be buy my book buy my book <laughs> but think of other opportunities and i mean we both use mailerlite so that's what we know about so that's what we talk about Um, But they have surveys that you can do. You can put in all sorts of like feedback questions Mm -hmm. and, you know, you can do a survey with one question in it Mm. and people are quite likely to click on it because it's those survey buttons are super easy and I've been using them more and more and more. So I think I think that's one of the things that I am going to be doing personally with my mailing list, looking for opportunities opportunities to put really engaging please click this yeah if you have a blog um or a podcast um then you know including a link for people to click to go see like visit your website um to go see new content there that's a really good thing and i mean like people i guess have split feelings about this but one um strategy that i see used a lot is including sort of the first part of an article and then read the full article here Mm -hmm. and you have to click to a website that's that is an email strategy that's a way to get clicks and engagement um that's purely what that's about because they could include the full email in uh, the full article in email but they don't they take you to the website to get that click so yeah um so yeah just you know it's not the end of the world um and (laughs) um at the end of the day you know we don't really know why these big tech companies are making this change they say it's about protecting their users data and not having people like us using their data um but i i am 100 percent certain that's not the real reason Mm -hmm. because they like that data. They like to use that data as much as anyone. So I think it's more about keeping the data to themselves, maybe. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, it's not the end of the world. Don't panic and just alter your strategy. Just, you know, it's a slight course correction. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Because there, there will always be changes and things have changed enormously over the years. My goodness. When, when did you publish your first book Holly 2013 yeah and I published my first in 2015 and my goodness the changes we've seen yeah. <laughs> KU didn't exist when I started no no <laughs> and not neither did easy ways to format ebooks <laughs> absolutely so but us indie authors my goodness we are some of the most adaptable folks around we really are so how can we generally be prepared to cope with these sort of disruptions in the future so my number one tip um (laughs) it's uh maybe ironic given the subject of this (laughs) podcast um but we'll come as no surprise because we say it all the time have a mailing list yeah um (laughs) 
So if a social media platform disappears or becomes unusable or you get your account shut down, you can still reach your readers. Um, (laughs) So it may be getting a bit harder, but that doesn't mean it's useless. And in fact, it's just an excuse, I I think, to get better using email. Yes. So. Absolutely. Um, So another thing you can do, which I think most of us do already do, put writing first (laughs) remember that the best thing you can do to grow your audience is to just publish more books so stop fretting about possible changes that might happen in the future and just write some words yes the way we publish might change but the ability to publish isn't going anywhere anytime soon so keep going be unstoppable um don't worry about trying every new thing just focus on activities that resonate with you. Mm. So if Vela doesn't interest you, don't, you know, don't worry about it. If whatever yep. the next new shiny thing is, if it doesn't interest you, don't worry about it. It's okay. Yes, you don't have to do everything. No. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um, yeah, and create the best content that you can for like emails, social media, your blog, be authentic, engaging, and just let the rest take care of itself. You know, just be the wonderful person that you already are, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so while we don't want you to do the things that don't excite you, we do want you to do the things that do excite you. <laughs> Someone has to break new ground. If you can get in on the ground floor of something like Kindle Vella, then it can be really worthwhile. If you can be one of the first few people there and grab that audience while there's very little competition, then do it. Absolutely. If it sets you on fire and gets you excited, then do it. Don't be scared. It's, yep. it's all going to be fine because it's an experiment <laughs> at the end of the day and you won't lose anything by trying except yeah. maybe some time. And no pressure, but we're all watching. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, one of the other things that we are always, always harping on about here, be ready to learn. Just be open to learning new things because there's always a new system or a strategy that comes along as the publishing world changes and evolves or just new ways to approach old problems so always be open and ready to learn something new yes so listen to people like us um yay (laughs) (laughs) listen to people who are talking about it keep abreast of the changes and strategies to adjust to them um i'd also really recommend listening to the creative pen because joanna is really into um keeping an eye on the future stuff and she has a segment in her podcast every week where she you know talks about what's coming in the future so she's a good person to listen to yeah and the other thing that I always like about her podcast is that she is very she always puts positive spin on Mm -hmm. everything yeah like we try to do (laughs) and um talking of positive spins so absolutely don't panic don't ever panic Uh, One of the best things about being an indie is just how incredibly flexible and adaptable our businesses are. So don't ever panic about changes. Just get informed 
and then think about positive ways to use the new things rather than trying to fight against them yeah absolutely yay that (laughs) wraps up our main topic so yeah be positive (laughs) that's that's your takeaway Mm. right so would you rather and we talk we're talking about changes okay this is this is this is my tenuous link to our would you rather question we're talking about changes so Mm -hmm. that that got me thinking about changing rooms um so would you rather that all of the clothes you had to wear were one size too small for you or five sizes too big oh my god Oh my god, that's like a horror film. Because <laughs> one um, size too small is going to always be slightly uncomfortable and you're going to look bad in it. Yeah. But like going the other way so extremely. But it, yeah, if it was just one size too big, I'd take that. That would be no. Oh, absolutely. Easy. 100%. But, but five sizes too big, that. I mean, I'd basically be wearing a burlap sack all the time, let's be honest. So, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to pick the too big because I just Mm. thought of wearing jeans that are too big. And sitting down in them and trying to eat a big meal. You could never never go and get, like, a massive meal, could you, if you were wearing jeans that were too tight i mean you might get away with it if you always wore stretchy clothing like leggings that are a size too small you you can probably get away with um yeah i'm i'm now thinking more (laughs) about my bust because i i'm Mm. i am blessed with an ample bosom and it does mean i you know i have to choose what i wear on my top half quite carefully and yeah like being squished or having like you know gapping if I was wearing like a mm. shirt but oh yeah like no can't do that sorry you, you'd be so restricted on what you could wear if it was all a size too small yeah, yeah. definitely bigger bigger yeah I'd, I'd make a thing of it <laughs> yeah I'd invest in some really great belts Yes. And make it like, like, do you remember that kind of fashion from the 80s with the big, like big yep. jumpers, but with a belt around the waist? We could do that. We could rock that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got the height for it. I struggle a bit with the height with that kind of thing, but. You'd yeah. be fine. Yeah. And, you know, actually being old enough to remember the 80s is, yeah, I can rock it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now then, we teased you slightly at the top of this episode and we're going to tease you a little bit more now. Um, Aren't we terrible? I know, it's so naughty. (laughs) As we have just passed 100 episodes, we are entering a new phase with the podcast. It's time for us to evolve again for the next phase. We are very excited about the changes we have coming up and we hope you will be too. So make sure you tune in next week to find out what exactly we have in store and we might tell our patrons early. Should we, t- should we tell our patrons? Um, I I think we probably will. Yeah. So if you really want to get the skinny, will. sign up to our Patreon. 
Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm really, really excited. Like, oh, it's going to be know. amazing. There has been lots of squeeing <laughs> over this. There that sounds been... really weird, doesn't it? It does. Squeeing. But you know what I mean? We have squeed. Yes. <laughs> okay, that sounds. That's, that's I just. It's that, I think that. It, yeah, I'm just going to stop. stop. <laughs> Needless to say, there have been a lot of gifts involved and um, so many gifts <laughs> so many gifts so yeah exciting times guys and you yes. find out very soon yes and just a reminder of our question of the week what has changed in the publishing industry since you published your first book and remember that if you want to hear all the backstage stuff and get all of the benefits including exclusive updates first Join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. And don't forget to share the podcast online and tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for unstoppable authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. Don't forget to visit our website to get the show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles at unstoppableauthors.com. And join our guild of unstoppable authors and you will not only hear from us every week, but you will also get a free digital copy of my book, 30 Days of World Building. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe and leave a review. Right. Mm. Let's do this, shizzle nizzle. Yeah.